Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to Be The Change, a podcast of conversations with true visionaries who are creating new paradigms for a healthier planet and society. I am your host, Christine Demick, and my work is in finding real solutions to the biggest problems we face today, climate crisis, capitalism, social injustices, and our failing health. There are amazing humans out there that have answers, and it is my mission to have their voices heard. Together, we can raise consciousness and create a just and equal society. Together, we can be the change. Is circular business a contradiction? My next guest says no. Anna Maya Bjorkenval is CEO of Luxme, an organic skincare company using sustainable ingredients resourced from female farmers. Today, she shares her vision to change the business model of the beauty industry and why she thinks conscious capitalism is possible. Welcome, Anna, and thank you for being the change. Thank you so much for having me today, Christine. How are you? I'm doing great. I am doing great. And I know the Luxme brand is big. It's in Sephora, Nordstrom, Detox Market. But for those of us that are unfamiliar, can you give us a vision of the brand and the products, please? Yes, absolutely. So Luxme was founded in 2015 by social impact serial entrepreneur Lila Donna. She recently passed in the beginning of the year, uh, passed away from cancer, tender age of 37, unfortunately. So way too soon for us. But she she had worked for a little over a decade in the social impact space in Africa. And she started her first social impact venture in the tech AI space, placing computer centers in rural parts of Africa, teaching young adults and women basic computer skills and connecting them to Fortune 50 companies in the US and around the world, doing, for example, basic computer entry projects and data annotation for self-driving cars for Tesla and that sort of stuff. As she was traveling back and forth to Africa a lot and at a local market, stumbled upon this ingredient called Nylotica, which is it's a nut butter, cold-pressed nut butter that comes from Nylotica nuts that grow wild on trees in northern Uganda and South Sudan. So you said secret ingredient, and I'm like, ooh, that's exciting. Um, <laughs> Nylotica, is that yes. how you pronounce it? Yes, exactly. It's, and it's found on the Nile. No? Yeah, it, it, exactly. So it grows on Nylotica nuts, uh, Nylotica trees that grow wild by the Nile River. Okay. And northern Uganda and South Sudan. And it's been used by the local communities for generations. It has a lot of really powerful bioactive compounds in it, a lot of vitamin A, E, K, and 25% more essential fatty acids compared to traditional shea butter. And really a great healing balm for, for various skin conditions. So when Lila tried this ingredient from this market, she just realized, well, this is an amazing, powerful plant-based ingredient. And there are a lot of these types of medicinal plants that have been used by indigenous communities for centuries. But here in the West, it just doesn't really get as much attention and just hasn't been exported to the West. 
So she thought, well, I can actually apply a similar type of give work model as she was doing with the first tech AI company and do that with sustainable, organic and clean beauty skincare. So it, with that, Luxme was founded and launched as the first social impact beauty brand to be sold at Sephora. And the whole mission for us is then kind of use skincare as a vehicle to create change in the world. For us, working with female fair trade cooperatives is really impactful in terms of how the type of problems that we can combat through giving work. Ultimately, like a lot of issues with healthcare and education, sanitation, a lot of those things can really be positively impacted through a give work model like the one that we're using. So research shows that especially giving work to women is, is particularly beneficial. A woman on average has to reinvest about 90% of her paycheck into the health, education, and well-being of her family and, and community. So it's just a really quick way and a really effective way to have the positive impact spread further and deeper. Let's talk a little bit about that and how women are so important to our society and how that that translates to things that you wouldn't think about for instance the UN has you know education of women as one of the SDG goals i believe and how does the educating or empowering women affect something like our climate do you know the answer to that well, for us, we definitely see a positive effect, just for example, of Nilotica, right? Where previously these trees, the locals didn't realize the power in this natural resource. And they would chop down these beautiful Nilotica trees to sell as firewood by the roadside for a dollar a day, especially in, in this region. And in, in Uganda, there was a brutal civil war going on for decades. So there was just no exportation of basically anything. And obviously, by disrupting the local biodiversity with, you know, well, chopping down these trees and natural resources. I mean, locally, of course, there's a very negative impact, but also globally, you know, like there are communities like that all over the world. So by showing the local community, especially through women's cooperatives, the power that they have in keeping these natural resources alive, we can actually combat the local deforestation and habitat loss for animals. So it's impacting climate change on wider scale as well, while at the same time then providing a livelihood to these females and these powerful cooperatives. So it's it's a really cool way to approach a lot of these issues that we're trying to solve downstream through just something as simple as giving work to marginalized women. Right. And I think for us and for, you know, many of us who, you know, as women who have jobs, have businesses, CEOs, it's hard to understand how that many of these women don't have the ability to work. And when they do, when you give them an income, you can change the economy. Now, we all know that women work, regardless of whether they're being paid or not. And I think they're oftentimes the providers of their family. But this, this now gives them an education, the ability to purchase things with money and, and to support their family. It's quite powerful. Absolutely. And just to see these women you know, build houses for their families and put their kids through school, it gives them a whole different sense of agency. And 
even so, what that does in a society for democracy, if you have an income or a tax-paying member of the society, you have a voice. You can hold your government officials accountable in a whole different way. And even so, you know, just the very slight societal shifts that can take part over the course of years and decades in terms of these kids that grow up in families where the mother has a source of income and has that level of agency and does not have to be dependent on like other people in her life. It's just incredible to see that powerful change in so many different ways. Yes, it is. Okay, so I want to discuss a little bit about, uh, get back into capitalism and conscious capitalism, right? So this is a term that it's kind of a trendy word, right? Hot word that we, phrase that we're throwing around right now and, and sustainable companies. And in my own business, I found that it's very hard to say that you're a sustainable company 100%. To me, that means, I mean, we do things that are sustainable and, but I'm still using plastic bottles for some items because of breakage and because of weight and customer demand. Now, unless we can get the recycling to happen, you know, and everywhere and like, how do we work towards that? Like, can you share with me? I'm really interested. I want to learn from you and how Luxme is working on that. I mean, I think you're right about that. It's being sustainable is a moving target and we are constantly working on that from all different angles. And I mean, especially what we can do at one level of our business and might not be the same in a couple of years. And it's as we continue to grow and expand as well, it's it's an ongoing discussion. And I think it's easy to people in companies to just kind of think, oh, we implement that and then we're set. Like, no, it's a process. It's like going to the gym. You don't go to the gym one time and then say, no, now I'm fit. Now I'm worked out. Like, no, that's something you have to keep on doing every day. So I think it's just that, like being very, I want to say self-critical in a way, but like constantly examining what we do, how we do it. Can we do it better? Are there ways that we can tweak everything and our practices and our messaging and like you said in the products and the packaging and everything the partnerships that we are involved with how can we constantly work to be a critical voice in the society where it's not just yeah sustainability and compassionate consumerism as a fancy buzzword but something that actually has meaning i really love how you you know, use that gym as metaphor where you do exercise every day. You do this because you should, because it's good for you. It helps your body, keeps it in tune. You have to work on it. You know, it's not like you said, you, you don't, you know, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and then suddenly my company's sustainable. And it's something that we're always growing because that marker is moving. It's always moving. But what I love is that you have this, but that you're also eliminating poverty for women. And I know that Lila had a, you and I had personally spoken. You said she brought like 30,000 women out of poverty. Is that right? It's actually through her lifetime, 50,000 people out of poverty. Wow. And obviously, you know, I think what would have happened if she would have had the chance to live until her 80s or 90s instead yeah. of passing at only 37. Yeah. 
but yeah, no, it's, it's incredible to see God in a way. And I think it gives hope as well to say one person can do that. What can we not achieve if we do this together in a communal effort? And Luxme is continuing that, though, with the female farmers and with the women who are using this incredible shea butter, which the special shea butter that Nalotica, did I pronounce it right? Yeah, yeah. that I'm going to have to try. I really honestly have to try this because I do love shea butter already. Uh, use it on my eczema. I have eczema on my hands and this special shea butter is incredible. Can you tell us a little bit about I know you have personal stories of the women that you've worked with and what this has done for them. Yeah, absolutely. It's always sensitive somehow. Like I, I'm always very cautious because I also feel a little protective over our female farmers. A lot of them have been with us since day one, since we launched. So we definitely consider them family, even though, you know, we're on different continents and uh, different realities. It's definitely, we're very close with them even after. Lila passed part yeah. of its team went went to Uganda to to give the news in person and you know it's just a very emotional experience but yeah I could say there's just endless stories of courage and power and personal agency and just girl power in so many different ways for me to like if I ever have a bad day I can always just think oh the difference that we can make for these women and just to connect with, with some of these stories. But one of the women, Sarah, that's been with us since the beginning, she always had a very special bond as well with Lila. I mean, her story is just incredible. I mentioned earlier that in the region, there's a brutal civil war going on for decades. There's a very terrible warlord that was just, causing a lot of disruption in the country. And one day, a group of rebel soldiers came to Sarah's foot village and shot her husband in front of her and were about to kidnap her daughters. This was a very common practice at the time. It's, the UN has estimated about 37,000 kids being, being abducted in, in these types of ways during that time. So... The rebel group was about to take her daughters in this case, but somehow she had the courage to go in between. And I don't know exactly how, but managed to convince them to let the daughters go wow. while her husband was laying there bleeding to death. And it's just, I don't know how anybody goes through trauma like that and actually comes out, you know, okay in any way. But she didn't just do okay, but she actually launched one of these female cooperatives that we were working with and she just has this power about her and this intense grit and warmth to everything that she does and one of those people like walk into a room and just radiates and it's just really incredible to see how we can do something like that so simple you know it's just skincare in a way right you just feel like oh it's the tube of whatever but it's not whatever in like I said, not just in the product itself where it's like, yes, it's a type of shea butter. It's a cousin to the shea nut, but it's a different type of varietal with a bit of a different nutritional content and, and composition. But as well, like it's a source of pride as well for them. You know, this is something that it's an ingredient that has been used by, by the locals for, for generations. And now they get a chance to export it to the West. And 
in a prestige type of way and, and in that way as well and also bringing a new future for themselves for their families and for their communities it's it seems so simple but it really isn't it's powerful i'm struck by i think there's so much pride and joy in sharing their culture with our culture you know i love that Lexmi is capturing that and it's just an incredible connection that you're creating so thank you. With Mother Nature, I feel like, you know, there's, yeah. like you're saying, it's the power of the ocean, the power of being outside, the power of being one with nature and you know, the common humanity of all of us. That's why it's like, it's a self-care practice that's just deeper and more profound. Yes. And I think, you know, and let's have more of appreciation for that instead of just, you know, constantly using, trashing. And I think that that emotion is part of the sustainable business model is allowing people to have that connection. So this year with COVID, I started writing a newsletter for Good Home, which is my business, and shared my personal story because I didn't know how any way else not to. I felt like I can't just send out a newsletter and just be like, hey, you know, like everything's like 2019, right? Because it's not, it's, you know, hey, we have this and this and this, you know, that just felt cold. So I I shared my personal story. What was going on with me? My mother passing from COVID suddenly. My husband getting it, myself getting it. And it really was a beautiful thing that we were able to connect with our customers. I got such beautiful letters. I would imagine that you get that as as well. People saying thank you and you know, I was frightened about this or you've given me comfort or you know, we're rooting for you or I'm so sorry for your loss and I don't know. That's something that I hope to personally cultivate in my own company. And it sounds like you know the importance of that. Absolutely. And, and I think it's just, I mean, first of all, I definitely want to say I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss with your mother. It's, you know, going through the death of someone close to you is just yeah. a terrible experience in so many different ways. And there's just no way to, you know, verbalize that. And I think for us as well, you know, it's it's been an interesting year. You know, we lost Lila and she was not just my boss. She was my friend, my mentor in so many different ways, especially, you know, Luxme. Luxme is not really a company. It's a family almost, right? And it's it's a really frightening experience when somebody t- gets taken away from you suddenly, right? And I think especially in a business context, right, like you were saying, I definitely think there's space for that vulnerability and that humanity in it. And you said it's COVID has, has made us appreciate that even more. And as a leader, as a female leader in the organization, but also outwardly, it's definitely been something that's been top of mind for me of how do I navigate this train, you know, going in after someone like Lila who was so beloved and had such a strong presence, obviously, you know, I can only put my own color to that. But I think as well, like there's, we're starting to become more prepared for a different conversation around leadership, around business, where it's, it's not always perfect. It's, you know, it it doesn't always feel great and goes just the way we want it to go and whatever. And it's like, there is heartbreak and there is struggles and there's challenges, but it's, we can connect in that journey somehow, I feel like. And and that's why too, I mean, I know it takes a lot of courage for you as well to share your story and to be vulnerable in that space in more of a public way. And 
yeah, I think it's amazing that you also are part of that and that you're adding in a very beneficial way and very meaningful way to the conversation. Well, thank you. And my heart goes out to you as well, because I know the difficulty of just running a business on its own, but also dealing with grief at that same time. And someone who was the creator of Luxme of this brand and whose heart was in it. It's not easy. It's not easy. But I know that she guides you. And I know when someone makes that big of an impact, that they leave much behind for us. Right? Absolutely. Uh, and this legacy, and we want to honor that, for sure. Yeah. They never really leave. You never really leave. I would love to know how some of the things, the markers that you set for yourself as you grow, like you're in Nordstrom, you're in Sephora, you're in the detox market, you're, you have a very big brand. What are some of the things that you tell yourself? Like I, I've had a $5,000 company and I've had a $6 million company and there's many things in between. And to get there, there are some things that people will ask you to put aside, perhaps your beliefs or what you stand for in your company. You know, we always wanted to be organic. Well, this organic product is a little bit expensive, this ingredient. Maybe we can just say that it's natural or, you know, you cut corners. There's those opportunities as you get higher and higher. What are some of the, or do you have any, like, uh, checks and balances for yourself so that you stay? Yeah, I I mean, it's a constant debate, right? And like I said, it's it's such a journey as the company is growing. I think for us, we've been, first of all, very lucky. Also picky in the types of investors that we've taken on board. For us, you know, especially nowadays, we see a lot of these brands that, you know, they go big on Instagram and they take in all this VC money and they start to like really implode almost. And it's easy to, to kind of fall into that trap. I think for us, we've been very confident cautious with the people that we bring into our family, into our community, right? For us to have investors that are fully aligned with what we do, they see this as a long-term thing. It's not a hungry for top-line growth type of environment. So that has definitely been one part that's super critical because it's so easy to get wrapped up in that whole startup journey game, right? But then, of course, it's always a compromise. and it's a challenge of how to navigate that as, as we continue to grow. I think for now, we're still a small brand. And I think more than anything, we've been very fortunate to get these large retailers' attention. And I think a lot of that stems from this social impact, environmental aspects of what we do, and that it's not just an afterthought or a value-added, but it's a value-led type of mission. And I see that you know consumers, number one, they're looking for that. We're all realizing the power that we have and voting with our wallets. So this, these big retailers, they acknowledge that as well, obviously, and bring us aboard despite our smaller size. You know, it's easy to think that we're, we're so much larger than we are. We're still definitely in a growing process like that. So I think for us, we still view ourselves as the underdog in so many ways. Right. It's like, let's say like the shit, so it did overnight, because like you said, it can happen over. I had it happen to me over in the summer. 
someone mentioned our product and it just blew up overnight. Like we, we had a whole bunch more customers. It was fantastic. But what do you do? Like, is there a point? Do you say to yourself, well, once we start compromising the quality or we compromise, like, what about the nylotica? Am I pronouncing it right again? <laughs> the shea butter. What if like it just takes off and there's this huge demand and then you start taking too much of that resource? Which is what we've seen in this world of ours. Is it possible or do you just say, no, if we get to that point, we're just not going to get bigger? No, of course. And that's where I was going with this too, where it's just for the size that we are right now, I think we have a really good infrastructure in place, but it is thinking ahead for the future. And, you know, not just from the business standpoint, but like you said, from an environmental standpoint and for, for these communities that we're involved with. I think that's where... Number one, it's been helpful that we have these long-term relationships. It's not that we just go in with this white savior mentality and like get a good marketing campaign out of it, but this is family members that we're working with and we've been working with them for years. So I think already having those relationships in place definitely helps us a lot at you know the level that we're at right now. But then of course it's always thinking then what's gonna happen around the corner. If and when we we get that big break. And I think for us, we've been really good at positioning also in the terms of partnerships that we're involved with. Because I think one of those things we maybe have all realized, especially now during COVID, is it's a race we can't really win alone, right? We're all part of this together. And I think if we were going to go into this global movement that we're trying to create, thinking that we're going to do this all on our own, I think it would be very unrealistic. So for us, um, already through from Lila's time, we were, we've always been very aware of the need for these types of partnerships that it's not just in the business world, but also across silos in terms of nonprofit organizations, activist groups that we can be involved with, government agencies. For example, we have one project that we're involved with in Suriname and South America, where we're protecting 235,000 football fields of Amazon jungle in partnership with Conservation International, which is an environmental nonprofit, and the Surinamese government. We're working with a tribe directly in the Amazon jungle with one of the, the raw ingredients called tuca oil that we have in one of our, in our Lucky 32 face oil. And obviously, we could have gone in with that and done it on our own. But I think, number one, you know, even if it, that would have worked at the scale that we're at right now, I think you know, it brings a solidity to the project of having and nonprofit life conservation international be involved with this. They're patrolling the area. They're making sure that like all parts of this project is holding up and then having the support of the government in Suriname as well. I think all of these things, like we need to start opening up our vision as well. Like just, you know, as a society too, for a lot, the longest time, we've kind of approached global change in like, okay, it's either government agencies and foreign aid or it's progressive businesses, or it's, you know, what can individuals do? But I think we all have to cooperate and collaborate in a, in, a, in a deeper level. So I think for us in that way, you know, we're already now working on a lot of these partnerships for the next coming years so that we can continue to scale. Because again, like, yes, for example, with the Nilotica, there are foreign aid agencies involved in the region. And, you know, obviously they're very, very much looking for, for progressive businesses as well. They realize the power in, giving work rather than handouts and donations, right? You know, teach a man a fish versus just give them a meal for the day, right? So 
I think even that, you know, like if we then can continue to expand and through our relationships, make sure that we have the sustainable harvest in place while, you know, we have government agencies and nonprofits and activist groups coming in as a support and, you know, helping with this infrastructure so we can all win together. Yeah. So I think I that's that. what, like, we have to be like looking at the here and now as a business, but then also always being, you know, five or 10 years ahead. I love that. I think that businesses now need to morph. Like I think there should be, and not just charity, like uh, we donated this amount of money to this, but really looking at the structure of it. And instead of charity, like you said, teach someone how to fish or use them for the raw ingredients. There's even businesses that I recently did a talk on human trafficking and a mutual friend of ours, you know, has a business where helping women who have been formerly trafficked to make soap. And that in turn also helps their communities to have better hygiene, which reduces disease by 50%. There's ways to do it. And instead of, again, focusing on the me and focusing on the we, and it sounds like Luxme has done that from the very beginning. It wasn't approached as, I want to sell a million bars of soap or body lotion or face creams. That wasn't it. It was that I wanted to give a million women jobs and opportunity. And how can I use a business model to do that? Exactly. And I think that that's one of those things we keep on advocating that in just in the business community in general. How can businesses become more mission-driven in a deeper way? Because especially now with COVID, you know, there's a million and one initiatives in terms of, like you said, give back donations or plant trees and that sort of stuff. And even though that's obviously positive, any, any step in the right direction is something that we definitely welcome. We do as well really encourage brands and companies to look at the entirety of their business model. How can they have a, a mission that's more than skin deep and have that really drive everything forward? Like you said, for us, it's not about the product itself, even though it's an important and critical part of what we do. It's there as a vehicle to drive drive positive change. And I think that it can be applied to so many different industries and in really meaningful ways. And I think that's that's where it's like, the consumer is nowadays very savvy as well. And I think, you know, they see through these types of, you know, after the fact uh, type of, type of model. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's just, yeah, like I said, it's, it's greenwashing in every single way. And I think that that's where it's like, you have to take a step back and really look at the entirety of your business and how can you infuse that with ideally a social impact mission and really create change. And I think that's where it's like, it's an, it's an interesting time right now. It's a new type of discussion on the table. And yes. I'm really curious to see where it's going to go. I am as well. So tell me, Anna, what's next for Lexme? Is there something that you're working on right now or where, where do you see it? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot going on definitely for us. Like I said, it's been an interesting year, just a bit of a control of the lead for us. You know, it's losing Lila and then I got thrown into the CEO role just a couple of weeks before COVID hit. And obviously that has been a challenge for us, like so many other small and large businesses. I think for us, it's like, it's almost going back to the roots a little bit with taking the time to heal and reassimilate and really look at, you know, again, like it's, it's that constant process, right. Of evaluating 
Is there things that we can do better? Are we really truly honoring our voice and who we are and what we want to stand for as a brand in every single way? So for us, I think right now it's been a little bit of a regrouping process. So moving forward, we're working on some new projects and like I mentioned, future partnerships as well that I'm hoping to be able to reveal shortly. Aww. But yeah, so for now, it's stay tuned and <laughs> we'll continue to so we'll do good work. We'll have to stay tuned. So you just mentioned several things. I mean, you've stepped into your role as the CEO. You lost a dear friend. You've had COVID, which is in itself is just an impact on any business. What keeps you going and continuing to create this new business model, this new vision that you have and not giving in and waking up each morning and putting one foot down and saying, I'm going to do this again today. What is that? What's the drive for you? For me, it's threefold. And all are very meaningful and impactful for me. I think every time we get an email or a call or somebody reaches out from a community saying, thank you for the difference that a product made for for her skin or his or her skin. For 15 plus years, I was suffering from breakout prone, super sensitive skin myself. And I know how painful that can be. It's such a self-esteem pressure in so many different ways. So having gone through my own skin journey, I really appreciate and connect with our community in that way. You know, especially like yeah, when I was right in the middle of that and see all these brands, we're always confronted by someone with glorious skin. And I was always like, what do you know about skin problems? You know, it's like, I just didn't feel like I could connect. So that is one part of being able to feel that I can make a difference on an individual level. But then also, like I said, just all of these women that we can have in our extended Luxie family, the common humanity of being able to connect across continents and make a difference and know that there are children of these families. They're able to go to college. They're able to go to school and create a better future for, for themselves because we're all part of this together. And, you know, it's just tremendously meaningful. And then at the same time to be able to say, we can make a difference also when it comes to climate change. Because I think right now, it feels so grim and there's not a lot of things that we can do on an individual basis in terms of fighting climate change. That is not restrictive and it's like drive less, fly less, eat less red meat, like live less. And I think that type of behavioral change is very difficult to maintain over a long period of time. Like for a lot of people, especially in the US, the reality is there's not that infrastructure to drive less. Like it's a big part of everybody's lives. So it's just being able to give people a meaningful way of fighting climate change through daily skincare habits. Like I mentioned, like that face oil that we were doing in partnership with Conservation International, where each bottle protects approximately 4.8 football fields of Amazon jungle. That's a real, you know, if you imagine that in that space, it's, it's incredible to be able to feel that like you can do something like that on a, just from things you're doing already. It's a very hopeful and very tangible approach. And I really, really like that as well. Just, you know, on a personal level, there's just so much pressure for us all, for women, for everybody, where it's like, oh, we're going to have a great career, work out, eat healthy, 
do all those things, be a fantastic friend, be a fantastic partner, and you know, just kill it left and right and just be so on top of everything. And ideally also volunteer work and you know, create good in the world. Like it's exhausting in so many different ways. But I can always feel that like if everything else in my day day goes bad, then I've already helped to fight climate change and global poverty just by getting ready in the morning. It's a really empowering message to the individual consumer. And it's a message of hope that I feel like we all can really need right now. So in that way, you know, just to be able to, to get to make this type of difference, it's such a privilege, I feel. It's so fortunate to be able to do this on a daily basis. And yes, it's definitely not, definitely not easy. You know, the startup journey, as you know it yourself, it's up and down and you never stand still. And there's a lot of challenges on so many different levels. But I think, yeah, that to be able to get to create an organization that stands for something genuine and open up a conversation, you know, so many different fronts around global poverty and climate change and collaboration in different parts of society. And yeah, create a company where people go to work and actually enjoy what they're doing and creating a culture as well that, stands for something meaningful I feel like you know we spend so much time at work in the course of a lifetime you know it's my duty as well to have a culture where personal growth and humanity and you know not always having to be on your a game is is part of the dynamic and part of the four walls of you know the company I think all of that stuff it's just it's so rewarding and it feels tremendously humbling to be able to get to do this so it definitely helps me to go through the, the startup journey. It's a long answer. <laughs> thank, no, I understand. And thank you, Anna. I mean, you inspire me. You, you've inspired me as we're sitting and we're talking like, I can do better. There's more that I can do. I have this opportunity with Good Home. And it's just that constant that we can do better and help others is a wonderful formula. Tell us how we can find Luxme and for everyone listening, where they can buy it, where we can pick it up. Yes, we so we have we have our own website, luxme.com. Can you spell uh, it out for me? Yes, so it's Alice and Lima, X is in xylophone, M is in mother, I is in Iceland. So luxme.com and then also at Sephora.com, Amazon, you can mention Nordstrom, Detox Market, some various retailers around the world. And as well, you can always check out our social handles. It's Luxme Official on most of these major platforms. I think yeah. There as well, you know, we're really trying to use our voice, not just, like you said, for products and that sort of stuff, but actually having a meaningful conversation online about the world at large and common humanity and how it is to do a startup journey and all of the things in between. So I think as well, you know, come and check us out there, come say hi and join the community and so happy to welcome. I love that. And they also have, I think everyone also listening, you want to try the products, you can sample it first. So I think you have a little sampler pack too, which is great. I'm going to, as soon as we get off, I'm going to go get that. So, <laughs> and it's great. And know that, you know, I'm going to think of Sarah and all the women that I'm helping too, when I'm putting on that cream and it does. Everyone's helping one another and, and we need more of that. So thank you, Anna. Thank you for being the change and for being on today. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and are inspired. We grow with supporters and listeners like you. So please share this podcast with your community and follow us on Instagram at bethechange.nyc 
And to learn more about our guests and what you can do to be the change, go to our website at www.bethechange.nyc. That's bethechange.nyc. Thank you and be well.